Our series is called Grow, and it all started the first weekend of the new year. As I share with you one of the things that I've come to believe in my life after all these years of living and trying to change, I've really come to believe there's a whole lot of things I'm not going to be able to change about me. In fact, that's frustrating. I almost get to the place where I think sometimes I can't change, and there are aspects that I know that's true. I'm always going to be ADHD. I'm going to have a difficult time focusing. I have an artist temperament. I am not the person to be an accountant or keep books. It's just not my, it's not my nature. I cannot change who I am. In fact, what's exciting to me is to understand that God has never asked me to change. You can open the Bible and read through the pages of the Bible, and you'll discover that God has not asked you to change. He's asked you to change your mind. That's called repentance. But he hasn't asked us to change. And while we may not be able to, be, to, to change, the one thing that all of us can do is we can grow. That means we can improve. Our lives can come out better in every area. And in the first talk, I shared with you how that as a human being, you're different from every other living organism. You're different from the plant world. You're different from the animal world in this respect. God has programmed growth into each of those. But in our case, especially as relates to emotional and spiritual growth, you and I have been given the stewardship of our growth. That makes us different from plant life and animal life in this respect. It is as if our lives are the farm and we are the farmer. We are both the farm and the farmer. We're living, so therefore we have the potential to grow, but because God has given us the responsibility to manage our growth, it is as if we are the farmer. In the first talk, I challenge you to imagine your life as a farm in which there are various fields. You have a physical health field, you have a personal development field, you have a relationship field, you have a financial field, um, you have a career field, you have, most, of, most importantly, your relationship with God and your purpose for living. So I challenge you to think about your life in terms of fields. And in week one, we challenged ourselves to visit our fields. And the reason for that is a lot of times if something is going very well in our life, for instance, if your relationships are going great, you're going to be delighted to visit that field. But if your finances are in the toilet, you might not want to go visit that field. You might just want to keep it out, out of sight. So here's what I challenge us to do. I challenge us to go visit our fields and take an honest look, not with shame that leads to guilt, because guilt never produces anything. You know, guilt just makes us want to avoid the field. But I said, go visit your fields, not with shame that leads to guilt, but go visit your fields with a sense of opportunity. Because as we closed out the first talk, we said, every time you see a field ready for harvest here in Kansas, there was a time when nothing was going on in that field, and there was a farmer, there was a guy, there was a gal who looked at that field and said, nothing's going on here, but something, is, something could. And so that's how I challenge us to look at our fields. If, you're, if your finances are not in good shape right now, look at the field and say, hey, nothing's, nothing good is going on here, but something could. You know, in your career, if it's not where you want it to be, okay, nothing's going on here, but something could go on here. That took us to the second week. In the second week, we talked about where harvest begins. God has given us something extraordinary in our world called seed. And when we plant seed, we can expect a harvest. And here's how I challenge us to think. Every word I say, every thought I think, every attitude I hold, and every action I perform is a seed. I'm going to see them again. And I can't pretend that there's no relationship to where my life is today with the seeds that I've sown through the years. For instance, the, the life that I'm living today is a harvest of yesterday's seeds. You know, the thoughts that I thought, those were seeds. And if I thought thoughts of hostility and anger and bitterness, I can't be surprised if I have emotional instability that's tied to those thoughts because I planted those seeds and so now I have a harvest coming up. The relationships that I have today with the key people in my life, it's a harvest of the seeds that I sowed yesterday, and I can't pretend that they're disconnected. 
Today's harvest is yesterday's seed. Tomorrow's harvest is today's seed. So again, if you're not happy with what's going on in your field today, you want to change your seed. You want to sow, you want to plant seed that you're going to want to see later. You're going to want to have good thoughts and good words and good actions and especially good attitudes. We need to think of them in terms of seed. And Jonathan last week came and brought us to talk about nurturing the seed. Today, I want to talk to you about something kind of special. I want to talk to you about supernatural seed. Because all seed is not the same. You know, when I was a kid growing up, you guys are way too young to remember this, but when I was a kid growing up, we used to read fairy tales. And one of the fairy tales that I read or heard when I was growing up was called Jack and the Beanstalk. Most of you probably never heard the story. But the story of Jack and the Beanstalk is about this simpleton kid, if I remember it right, who traded away the family cow for some magic seeds. And the seeds turned into be beans that grew up to the massive beanstalk that grew up to the sky. That is magic. All of us get to a place in life, hopefully, where we find out that magic is fiction. It's fun to go watch a Harry Potter movie maybe, but at the end of the day, magic is fiction. It is the product of our imagination and superstition. When I, when I believe in magic, I project my imagination onto reality, and I get to a place in life where I discover there is no such thing as magic. But therein lies a little bit of an issue, because when we get old enough to learn that there's no such thing as magic, when we read the Bible and we read about supernatural things, we can say, oh, I've already learned that there's no such thing as magic, and we can look at the supernatural in the Bible and we can discount it. But what we need to learn is that the supernatural and magic are not the same thing. Magic is a product of my imagination projected. The supernatural is not imagination, it's revelation. It is God telling me what I do not know. And here is the thing about supernatural. You know, and, I, and again, I, I, I want to be gentle about this, but I have friends who don't believe in God, and so they, they use the natural as though it's this overarching umbrella that just explains everything. And, then, and my friends will tell me, well, you believe in the supernatural. I only believe in the natural. Well, here's the deal. Where'd the natural come from? I can't even understand the rods and cones in my eyes. And don't even get me started on DNA. Why do we just assume that? See, here is the thing. The supernatural is not magic. It is just God contravening norms. It is God who established the norms, the natural norms in the first place. If God wants to contravene norms to get my, to get my attention or to do something beyond my wildest expectation, that is just God being God. He is the author of the natural. He is the author of the supernatural. And what is really exciting to me about my talk is that God is telling me that there is supernatural seed. There is natural seed. And let me stop for a moment. There are healthy, healthy attitudes that you can hold. If you're here today and you're a non-theist, you don't even believe in God, you can still hold some healthy attitudes that'll be good natural seed, that'll bring about a good harvest in your life. Um, I did a lot of flying last week. I flew from Wichita to Dallas, from Dallas to Atlanta, and Atlanta back to Wichita. Spent a lot of time in airports. Those of you who are road warriors and you fly a lot, especially if you're business people, you know about the bookstores. What books do they put out in the lobby? They put business books out there for us. Good to great, whatever the sequel is to good to great. Business paradigm books, management books, HR books. Why? Because they know if you're in business, you want to become a better businessman, businesswoman. You want to be better at what you do. You want to develop. Now, here's what I want to say. There's a lot of good stuff in there that has been helpful to me. You don't even have to be a God follower to follow the advice that can produce a harvest where you work. There's natural seed that anybody can plant. But the Bible tells us that there is supernatural seed that can bring about a harvest that is, quote, beyond our wildest expectations. And the good news for you and me is those seeds are available to us. Now I want to talk to some of you who grew up in church because some of you who grew up in church are already a little bit suspicious of I me. Mean, you're saying, wait a minute, Mark. 
If there is supernatural seed that can produce harvests that are beyond people's wildest expectations, why don't more people take advantage of it? I think there's a reason for that. You know, I think it's our, our experience with magic. You know, if God told us that we could experience miracles, a harvest of miracles, if it was instant, we would buy into it. If it was drink this elixir, if it was rub this lamp, if it was wave this one, we would buy into it. But see, here's the problem. Here's where it all breaks down. The thing that leads to a miracle harvest is seed. And what's the issue with seed? Well, you have to intentionally plant it. You have to cultivate it. You have to do the one thing that I hate to do, and that's wait. And that's why most people throw it down. But here's the deal. Jesus told a story about supernatural seed. Now, what I find really humorous about this is that Jesus just sort of tells an ordinary, innocuous story uh, let me just tell you the story and see what you think about it. If you went to a conference where you were going to sharpen the axe where you work and some nationally known speaker was brought in and told this story, I wonder how you would react to it. This is Jesus' story. He said there was a farmer who went out to plant. Now, in our world today, we're accustomed to heavy, sophisticated equipment that plants a field in a matter of minutes. But in Jesus' day, if a person wanted to plant a field, he or she would put a bag of seed over their back and walk out into the field and broadcast the seed. And seed would fall in all kinds of places. So here's Jesus' story. He said there was a farmer who went out to plant seed, and, and he threw some seed, and some of it fell onto hard-packed ground. In, in those days, um, there would be paths in fields that people would walk on, animals would walk on, carts would roll across, and it would get as, as hard-packed as concrete. <laughs> Jesus said some of the seed fell there, never penetrated the soil. Birds came, ate the seed. In a story. Then Jesus said some of the seed fell in places where the, the soil was shallow and the seed penetrated the soil and it sprouted, but there was no room for root structure. And when the sun came out, it, it fried the plant and the plant died. And then he said some of the seed fell into good soil. It had depth, but unfortunately it was filled with weeds and the weeds choked the plant and the plant never bore fruit. And then finally he said some of the seed fell in soil that was good and it reproduced itself 30 times, some 60 times, some 100 times. Jesus said, that's the story. I think if you and I have been there, we'd, okay. <laughs> uh, planter plants seed. Some falls in bad places. Some falls in not so bad places. Some falls in a little bit better place. And then some falls in good places. And in case you're wondering what this is about, you, you would find comfort from the fact the disciples over there banging their heads on the wall saying, what does this story mean? And finally, Jesus explains it to them. And what he explains to them is the key to understanding life. I'm not really sure I will ever give you one of Jesus' stories that is more important and more salient to your life than what I'm about to share with you right now. First thing Jesus tells us is what the supernatural seed is. What is the seed that can bring about a harvest in your life beyond your wildest expectations? For instance, wouldn't you like to have in your relationship field a harvest that's beyond your wildest expectations? How about in your finances? How about in your personal development? How about in your relationship with God? Wouldn't it be great to have a harvest that's beyond anything that you and I could dream? What is the seed that leads to that harvest? Listen to Jesus. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is God's word. If you hold a Bible in your lap today, or if you've got an electronic device on which you have the Bible, when you have the Bible, you have the seed. It is God's word. Word. Now, practically speaking, because we're dealing with metaphors with seed and field, let's just get real practical for a moment. The seed is God's message, the soil is your life, and the quality of the soil is your and my attitudes that we have towards God's Word. 
So here's what the Bible is saying to me. If I will receive God's messages into my life with the right attitude, I can expect a supernatural harvest. Let me, let me ask you a question. Hopefully, it won't be confrontational. But where do you get your seed? You know, for those thoughts you think and those words you say and those attitudes you hold and those actions you perform, you and I are getting our seed somewhere. Most people today get it from the culture around us. We just plant the seeds everybody else was planting. We just, you know, sometimes I think, and I don't mean you, but I, I think a lot of our culture today, we're sort of like bobble-headed dolls. And the culture tells us something, thunks us on the head, and we'll just do this number. I mean, we just plant the seed that everybody else plants. A lot of us get our seed from media. Whatever the media tells us, that's what we believe. If we read on the internet, it must be true. Some of us get our seed from religion. Some of us get it from what our peers tell us. And a lot of us, the seed that we plant has just been our personal experience, what I've learned in life. Where do you get your seed? The Bible is telling us here that if we are willing to receive what God has to say, God's messages into the soil of our life, it will produce a harvest. In fact, the Bible says that the greatest thing can happen to you and me, which is to begin an everlasting relationship with God, happens through God's seed. Let's read. You've been born again, the Bible says, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. The next part of the verse says, the world around us is temporary. But it says in verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. So that's the premise that Jesus is getting across to his audience. If we let God see God's word into our lives, receive with the right attitude, we can expect an incredible harvest. But immediately he begins to talk about three issues that could keep that harvest from happening. And I think at this point, this is probably going to be one of the most important 15 minutes that we ever spend at New Spring. Because I am convinced that you, like me, would love to have wonderful harvests in our life. I think that we're open to God's Word. But we need to be cognizant of the fact that there are some things that could be growth inhibitors in our life. And so let us now go to Jesus' first situation that he talks about. He said, some people are like the seed that falls on the hardened soil of the road. No sooner do they hear the Word then Satan snatches away what has been planted in you. Let's be real specific about this. What he's talking about here is stubbornness, a stubborn refusal to listen, the hard-packed soil. By the way, this is interesting to me. There are some of you out here who are in management. In fact, a lot of you are in management. And here's the thing that you're going to discover, these three growth impediments that Jesus is going to be talking about, even though he's talking about spiritual stuff, I bet you're going to find that these are just as true in the natural realm. For instance, how many of you in management, you got people that just never listen? They're just like this, you know? I mean, they're not going to hear, not going to listen. doesn't matter. They, they can go to the seminars. They can be mentored. They can be trained. They can be given chance after chance after chance. They're just not going to listen. About the only thing you can do with that person, all you HR specialists, is fire them <laughs> because they just stubbornly refuse to listen. You know, here's the thing. You can always help someone who will listen. But you can't help somebody who won't listen. And Jesus is saying, look, the first thing that can blow this whole thing up is if people hear God's message, but they just stubbornly refuse to listen. I am so glad to be bringing this message at New Spring today. And I'll tell you why. Because you people are a great example of the opposite of this. I hear two expressions at New Spring over and over and over. And it doesn't matter how many hundreds of times I hear these two things. I never get to hear them enough because they're so powerful. One thing that I hear all the time in this church is, this church has changed my life. 
I mean, I've, I've heard this so many times, and it's just great. I was getting on an airplane to fly home from Atlanta. We're still sitting on the tarmac in Atlanta. And this wonderfully kind lady was getting on the plane. Meryl and I were already seated. And she walks up to me and says, Mark, I've never had a chance to meet you. I've been coming to New Spring for a while. And she said some kind things personally and kind things about our church. And just kind of got past my seat and all of a sudden stopped and turned around with a crowded plane. And she said, I just want you to know, this church has changed my life. I get home. Mary Alice is not feeling well. We've been gone for a week. We need to get groceries. That means I have to go do the grocery shopping. Not a good thing. Not a good thing. You know, I have, to, I have to go to Sam's for the big things and Dylan's for the other things. And, and I go in there, and I don't know where anything is. I always plead with Mary Alice because she's got the list, and I've got it on my iPhone here. I'm saying, please put it in the order of the stuff in the store because I'm bouncing around like a pinball. But, you know, New Spring is a pretty large church, and so, you know, I get into Sam's, and there are New Springers everywhere, and, and I remember I stopped, there was a family that was meeting me, and they were so kind and gracious, and, and they said to me, we've been coming for several months, and they said, this church has changed our lives. I leave, I go to Dillon's, and the Andover Dillon's, because it's close to my house. If you go to the Andover Dillon's on a weekend, your chance of running into a New Springer is about one in two. <laughs> and the place is full, full of New Springers. And, and I'm meeting, and I'm having such a wonderful time. And, and I met a couple, and they said, we just want you to know, this church has changed our lives. I hear that all the time. The other expression I hear is, I felt like Mark was talking just to me. I've heard that a hundred times. I felt like Mark was talking to me. Okay, well, thank you for your kind words. And I, and I do think God is doing something special in this church. And, and the seed is being scattered here. I do know that. But could I just be honest with you? The reason why a lot of you are experiencing life change and the reason why you feel like the message is directed directly to you, it's you. You're the reason. See, you came in and you weren't hard-packed soil. You were ready to listen. Your soil was broken up. It had already been plowed. You were ready to hear what God had to say. And, and sometimes I think, in, in all honesty, we get credit that is credit that belongs to you because you came in ready to hear. And you know what? With broken soil, you came in, the seed got into your life, it sprouted up quickly, you're starting to experience a harvest and changed my life. Or you came in ready to listen and, and, and the Holy Spirit took the message that one of us was delivering and he tailor-made it just for your life. I mean, people will tell me all the time, you know that comment you made the other day, it changed my life, and I'm thinking that was a throwaway comment. I only said it in one service. See, the reason why it's working and you're growing is because you came in with your soil broken. Let me go a step further. And this is more sensitive, and I don't want it to be sensitive, but i just got to be honest about this. I hear hundreds of stories from New Spring people, and, and one thing about the way a lot of us came in, we came in broken. Life had broken us. Maybe you heard, maybe a friend told you, New Spring is a safe place to be broken. It's a little different. It's a little freaky. It's a little strange. You never know what's going to be on stage. I mean, it is an odd church, but some, a friend of yours said, you know what? It's okay to be broken there. They may not have used that terminology, but that was the message you got. Or it could be that you're just very intuitive, and you felt it when you drove into the parking lot. You felt it when you walked in that this is a safe place to be broken. How many of us have discovered that religion is not always a safe place to be broken? How many of us have discovered that if you're broken in religion, sometimes they will kick you out? Here at New Spring, it's like a hall pass to get in. It is a safe place to be broken. By the way, there are only two kinds of people, and it's not broken and fixed. It's broken and honest about it and broken and covering it up. That is what is so toxic. 
That is what is so toxic about religion. It's broken, but it's covered up. Here, I don't know. Listen, we have a lot of flaws and a lot of warts as a church, but one thing I know, whatever you see is real. This is a safe place to be broken. And many of us came in, and we were broken. And we heard the word of God, and we were in a place where it was safe to be broken, and, and now we're growing fast. And let me go now to an, let me go a step further. It's even more sensitive. A lot of us came in here at a low point, we thought, in our lives. Many of you told the stories that you came here because a relationship blew up, or you came here because you're having a difficult time in life, or you just things were not working out, and you were saying, wow, I need to reconnect with God, and you've heard this is a safe place to, to come, and you came here, and you came here because you were broken, and you thought, you said, this is a low point in my life. What you don't realize is that was a high point in your life. You know what the low point in your life was? The low point was when you were large and in charge. The low point in your life was when you didn't need anybody. The low point of your life was when you were the adult in the room, when you were set at the head of the table. The low point in your life is where you didn't need anything and your soil got hard packed and God's message couldn't get through. And so what happened is life got broken for you. And you said to yourself, I've gone from a high point to a low point. What you didn't know was you went from a low point to a high point. You say, Mark, are you making all this up? I am not making this up. I want to tell you, this is the word of God. Listen to what the Bible says in these two awesome verses. In Psalm 51, the sacrifice you desire. Let's stop right there. What is it that God wants from you? If you've been in religion, you say, God wants my money. <laughs> Listen, I mean, let's be real about this. If, I don't have anything, but if God wanted my stack, all he has to do is put my lights out and take it all. No. What does God want from you? What does he want from Mark? The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. Oh, religion says get everything fixed and then present your life, you know, with all wrapped up in a box and hand it to God. God is saying, no, 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 no. I want it broken. The sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit. You will, I love this verse, you will not reject a broken and repentant heart. I could be talking to somebody here today and you say, I've gone too far. I've done stuff that God will never, he will never forgive. There are people here today who say you can't forgive yourself and God can never forgive me for what I've done. Could I tell you today, if you will come to God with a broken heart, he will never turn anybody away whose heart is broken. He will never turn away anybody with a broken spirit. And an oasis I've visited many times in my life, and if you haven't fallen in love with this verse, I hope you fall head over heels in love with it in the next few seconds. Because so many times in my life when I was broken, I came to this oasis and drank from it. Psalm 34, 18, look at this. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. How many of you love hearing that today? You came here and your heart is broken. And here's the thing, your life may be broken. As I said, everybody's is. And what you, what you just found out is that, you know, the more my heart is broken, the closer the Lord gets to me. And he rescued those whose spirits are crushed. You see what I'm saying? This I'm not making this up. I'm saying when you're large and in charge and you don't need anybody and the world says you're at a high point, you're really at a low point. But when you get to the place where your soil is broken up and you're ready to listen to God, now you're, really, now you're about to go somewhere. Now you're about to get a harvest that's beyond expectation. I could be talking to somebody here today, and you're sort of listening to the message like this. You're, you're kind of the hard, hard soul right now. And maybe your wife made you come, or your parents made you come, or you're saying, if I'd known what you were going to talk about, I sure wouldn't have come today. <laughs> One of three things is going to happen. And, and I know I can be stubborn with the best of them. 
But one of three things is going to happen, and Jesus kind of laid it out for us here. First thing that's going to happen is catastrophic, and that is the Lord could just let you go. You could say, I'm just not going to listen. I don't care what God has to say. And here's the thing. A lot of times people have the idea that it's a neutral experience. I can listen. I cannot listen. And God says it's not neutral because as much as you have a God who loves you, who wants to invest supernatural seed into your life, you have an enemy who hates you. And if you don't pick up the seeds of God's word, the enemy will come and snatch it away. And you'll be thinking about work tomorrow and who's going to win the Super Bowl next week. And what you won't realize is that you have an enemy who hates you like God loves you. It's not a neutral thing. I'll tell you what's happened in my life. Here's the second thing. Is there a lot of times I stubbornly would not listen to God, even as pastor of this great church. I mean, I, two years ago, I told you a story in a series of intensive care. I mean, nothing, I wasn't doing anything scandalous. It's just that I was just doing what I did out of responsibility. I was doing what I did out of a sense of duty. I mean, I was trying to do a good job, but somewhere along the lines, I lost sight of Jesus, and I was doing what I did because it was my responsibility, not because I was in love with Jesus. And here's what God has done in my life several times when my heart has developed a cross. God has said, Mark, I love you too much for Satan to steal the word away. I'm going to let something just blindside you and put your life in pieces until you listen. And I told you in two series how that happened. But I'm talking to smart people. And oh, you are. I'm not just saying that's blow sunshine at you. I know a lot of new springers, and you guys are smart. So it could be I'm talking to somebody out there, and you figured this thing out. You've done the calculus, and you're saying, wait a minute. I don't want Satan to steal the word away, and I sure don't want God to let life blindside me. I'm going to break up my own hard attitude. I'm going to plow my own soil. The Bible talks about that. The Bible says in the book of Hosea, chapter 10, verse 12, plow up the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord, that he may come and shower righteousness, a rightness upon you. If you've got a harvest of wrongness, you need God to shower rightness. So I could be talking to somebody here today, and you're smart enough to say, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm not going to let Satan steal the seed. I'm not going to wait for life to blindside me. I'm going to do this myself. But Jesus goes on to say the stubbornness is not the only problem. Because some of us listen to God's word and we say, that's great. I believe it. Now, the second thing that we see is that other seed fell on shallow soil with underlying rock. Now, keep that in mind for just a moment. Underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow, but the plant soon wilted under the hot sun. And since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Well, if stubborn refusal to listen is the first problem, the second problem is shallowness. But did you see that Jesus, when he was telling the story, he said that the problem with shallowness is underneath that thin soil, there's still hard rock. There are people who will have a relationship with God, and briefly they will flirt with that relationship, but boy, underneath there's still hard rock. And Jesus said a couple things can come up, and it will expose that hard rock. Let's read what he says. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or persecuted for believing God's word. Jesus is talking now about people who listen to God's word and say, wow, that's great. I love it. But then they can have a problem. 
Through the years, I've watched people walk away from God because they had a problem. They would say, well, wait a minute. I'm following God, but I'm having problems. That's in Congress. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't match. Or it could be that they follow God until something God has to say in his word is not politically correct. Let me be straight with you, real straight this morning. There's stuff that God says it's not PC. Is that going to be a deal breaker for you? If you get your seed from pop culture, it will be, because you'll put God on trial to see if he fits pop culture. But you understand something. God's already going to heaven. He's not going to stand on trial before CNN. People at CNN are going to stand before him. See, we're so backward in our world, we think we are the evolved culture, and if God says something that fits our evolved culture, then we'll let it in. If he says something that doesn't fit our evolved culture, well, that's just archaic and obsolete. First of all, I'm not convinced that we're that evolved as a culture. We struggle to keep relationships together. We're so in debt, our kids will never be able to pay it off. I'm not sure this is that evolved. But God is going to have things to say for you and me that we're going to have a hard time sorting through. Now, it's okay to wrestle with it, but will you walk away? If God's ideas of sexuality are not your ideas of sexuality, will you walk away? You may. If God's ideas about how you live your life are not your ideas, is it a deal breaker? It could be. But in God's mind, some people just have underlying rock. They're soft at the top, and they're willing to listen until they have problems. They're willing to listen until it isn't PC. There is a third problem that Jesus talks about, and that's in Mark 4, verse 18. He said, the seed that fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, and the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. If the, if the first problem that Jesus talked about is a stubborn refusal to listen, and the second problem that Jesus talked about is a shallowness, the third problem is distraction. And Lord knows I've dealt with this first one. You know, God is saying, Mark, if you will listen to me, I will produce a supernatural harvest. And I'm saying, oh, but God, I'm worried about this thing. Or it can be money. Or it can be cravings in our lives that are not under control. But here is the thing, and I want to take you down to the last verse of the, of the sermon, and we'll close with this. In Mark chapter 4, verse 20, Jesus said, The seed planted in the good earth represents those who hear the word, embrace it, and produce a harvest. Look at this. Beyond their wildest dreams. That's cool because I dream pretty wild. I got to tell you, I'm all, I love this. I, I would love for my relationship field to just grow beyond my wildest dreams. I would love for my marriage to grow beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, I would love for my finances to grow beyond my wildest dreams. I would love for my personal development to grow beyond my wildest dreams. And most of all, I would love for my relationship with God to grow beyond my wildest dreams. The Bible is saying, look, if I will be good soil. All right, time out for a moment. What is good soil? Well, what were the three problems? Let's just back them out. If I'm willing to listen and I'm not stubborn. If, on the other hand, I'm not shallow. If God tells me something and I have a problem, then I still stay with him. If God tells me something and it's not the way I've been thinking all my life, I'm not offended by it. And most of all, if God tells me something and I'm not distracted, then God says my life becomes good soil. And when I receive God's word, I'm going to have a harvest. And when that harvest grows up, it's going to be beyond my wildest expectations. Supernatural seed.
Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for allowing us to be here and for challenging us with your story, Jesus. I pray that you will help us to, um, to reel this in because I know that it's going to touch each of us in a various and different way. And I ask that you will help each of us to put this into practice in our lives. Now, Lord, for those of us who are hard-packed, I pray that we'll break up the soil. For those of us who are shallow, I pray that we'll cut out that underlying rock and that problems, and if somebody gives us a hard time for believing your word, it doesn't stop us. And then, Lord, I pray for those of us who are distracted by problems or money or appetites out of control, I pray that you'll help us to focus on your word. We believe you for the harvest of miracles. In Jesus' name, amen.